is Packers Live Sports Show with Benjamin Denton and John Hinton. And we're coming at you live from the WKNC studios on the beautiful, awesome, amazing, fantastic campus of North Carolina State University on 88.1 WKNC HD1 FM, Raleigh. In here with this week, Cody Hoyle. And we are absolutely thrilled, stoked, ecstatic to be coming at you live from one of the premier college radio stations in the nation, keeping you up to date with the latest and the greatest with all the NC State sports. The explosion. I'm so used to saying Benjamin Denton, John Hinton. So when I roll with the John Hinton, when I'm doing my whole spiel, I just had to roll with it. But John is not in this week. He has a swim meet, cares about the kids he coaches. So he's there for him, coaching them. And I'm here with Cody Hoyle once again for the Golden Hackers Life Sports Show. This is our 50th time coming on air for you guys. Cody, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Fantastic. Not to steal your, you said pretty good, and then I went and said pretty good, but uh, I'm doing fantastic, so even better than pretty good. Super excited to be on air, even though the weather is, what, the last couple Fridays, it's been raining. If you tuned in last week, we were not on air because there was a NC State baseball game on at um, 3 o'clock, and of course, that's not going to be done by 4, so hopefully you uh, you were able to listen to the baseball game. But yeah, we're going to talk about quite a bit today. We have uh, food. We're going to talk about, at the end of the program, love talking about food. We're going to talk about some uh, MLB baseball since the season started up. We'll touch on the NBA playoffs a little bit and uh, some uh, awesome news in NC State women's basketball. In the non-revenue sports, we're going to talk about cross-country, men's and women's golf, and we're going to kick it off talking about baseball. All right, guys. Well, it's been two weeks since this show's been on air, so we got a lot of games to go over. Uh Last sat not uh, this Saturday, but two Saturdays ago, Pack played Virginia, uh, lost on Saturday, but won the series, won the next two games, uh, beat Virginia in the second game three to nothing. Uh, third game, beat Virginia eight seven, won the series two to one. Yeah, we still haven't lost this series yet this year, and at this point in the season, we were still number one in the country. After uh, even though we did lose, but we do lose a couple more times. Um, later on in the in the next couple of weeks, spoilers. Yeah, uh, NC State then traveled to Charlotte to play South Carolina, battle the Carolinas in the new Knights Stadium. They renovated it about a year or two ago. Nice facility, but the pack came up short, ten eight. Uh, really quick uh, question: You said Battle of Carolinas. When I say Carolina, both UNC Chapel Hill and South Carolina both call themselves Carolina. Who is the real Carolina, Cody Hoyle? Uh. I would I would say the Gamecocks are some fakers, man. UNC is the real Carolina. Am I can't I, believe you're like you're defending UNC Chapel Hill. No, I'm defending North Carolina, the state of North Carolina. Yes. Okay. Well, I can respect that. I really can. I also would happen to agree with you. It's kind of faulty that they would call themselves Carolina because weren't did, like wasn't North Carolina a state first anyway? This is a history thing. Like I don't know about it. Like. I think they split up like as two separate colonies, like in like the seventeen like thirties. But uh, there's the Declaration of Independence of Mecklenburg County, where North Carolina succeeded from the British Empire before any other state. Are you serious? Yeah, it's a. Uh, I forget what year it's in, but it happened. And if not, uh, 
Nobody, no one listening is going to look it up, so we'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's crazy. All yeah. right. Well, moving on, we had a series against Boston College. Um, we won that series. The first game we won uh, six to five, and then the second one we lost uh, sixteen. I mean, we won sixteen to four. But then we lost game three. Wow! Just coming <laughs> in with the with the bad news. All right, Cody, we you're just bringing in the negativity. Lost uh, six three, so that's our second loss in um, like what a six game period because we went we were undefeated for like the first like nineteen games of the year or something like that until we lost to Florida State. Well, I mean now we're like twenty nine and five, but three of the five losses have came in the last two weeks. So. Yeah, and that third loss Cody's referencing is to number twenty fourth ranked Coastal Carolina, who, if I my memory serves me right, won the national championship a few years back in yeah. baseball. Yeah, they're like ranked number 25 in the nation right now, so they're they're no slouch in competition. Yeah, uh, NC State catcher Patrick Bailey and uh, shortstop Will Wilson, actually in other news for NC State baseball, were recently named to the Golden Spike Award midseason watch list, which is recognizing uh, the best amateur baseball player in the country, which doesn't necessarily mean they have to be college. So I guess it could be a high school player as well. Or an Olympian if they haven't done pro yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. So as long as they're not professional baseball players, and we're going to talk some professional baseball later on in the program, but that's actually pretty cool. Patrick Bailey, Will Wilson for a now third-ranked team. So we've dropped a couple spots in the national ranking after, like Cody mentioned, those three losses in the in the last like couple weeks, but still haven't lost a series yet. And tonight, NC State will be back home for a three-game series against number 12 Louisville. Ranked play, ACC play, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. This is we're about to see how good we actually are. Well, we know we're really good too, but we're gonna we're gonna beat Louisville hopefully. But it's raining right now. That game's tonight, I think, at like six thirty. So we'll see if that ends up getting delayed or not. It's been raining on and off here in Raleigh like all day. Like I, I wore shorts because of how warm it is, but then I also had like a heavy coat because I don't have an umbrella. I had an umbrella. Freshman year, I've never bought one, but one of the classrooms we were in, someone had left it, and the person at the head of the class was like, all right, I'm going to throw this umbrella away since they left it. And I was like, I'll, I'll take it. So that was my umbrella for the last two and a half years, and now I can't find it. So I have no umbrella again. Uh, you didn't ride the longboard today? You're, you're not that brave of a man? Well, so the riding the longboard on brick when it's slick is very, very risky. Not because like riding on it is um, is 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 a risk it's stopping with it because I like to uh, pedal down with my uh, left foot because I ride goofy, which is right foot forward because that's how you're supposed to ride. If you're right-handed, all these right-handed people riding with their left foot in front, they're crazy and insane. But uh, like if you're, if you're like putting your heel down that first like millisecond where you're making contact with the ground, if it's a, if it's a weird contact and I like slip and then all of a sudden all my weight gets pushed forward below and next thing you know, I'm landing on the back of my head so I, I like weighed the risk reward. Plus, when there's water on the ground, like it just shoots up all over my legs. So I don't really like that when it's raining. So unless I'm really foot pushed for time, I'll just not ride my longboard on a rainy day. Cody's shaking his head. Okay, well, that's fine, Cody. I don't see your longboard. Oh, I don't skateboard, man. It's a longboard, Cody. Yeah, I don't skateboard. Well, I don't skateboard either. Bro, take the longboard to the half pipe then? No. <laughs> okay. 
I didn't even. All right, that's fine. We're gonna. Go, <laughs> all right, we're going. Uh, we're moving right along here. NC State cross country freshman Savannah Shaw represented NC State and the United States at the 2019 IAAF World Cross Country Championship. She finished as the top runner in the United States, finishing 53rd overall in the U20 race. And she had a time of 23-29. Again, this event featured some of the best distance runners in the world. And the United States is not that good at distance running anyway. Because we drive everywhere. And that that's facts. Moving on, uh, next sport, we have uh, women's golf, the Tar Heel Classic. Senior India Clyburn earned her second consecutive top 20 finish of the season and her 16th overall at the Tar Heel Classic. And she shot a 75 with three over par in the final round to finish ninth with a 217 on the weekend. Other scores for the women's golf, uh, Clyburn finished tied for ninth. Monica Hartle finished tied for 29th. Laurel Kowal finished tied for 32nd. Mim Sangapong finished tied for 50th. And Leah Kilmentova finished tied for 69th. So that was at the Tar Heel Classic. Cody, you want to tell them about the Bryan National Collegiate? That's right. Uh, the team overall was 6 under 294 par in the final round. So they came third out of 18 teams. And so the best ever showing at this tournament, which is uh, very prestigious in the world of collegiate golf. And it's also the lowest score we've ever had. So, uh, in 2018-19. Uh, then we uh, played against 12th-ranked Wake Forest and won. And then well, we, uh, they won. Wake Forest won with a 14-under. We finished third. Wake Forest finished first with 8.30, and then UNC Chapel Hill finished second with um, 8.62. So, um, they finished 36 shots ahead of us. But I think we won, like, at heart is what's important there. There were seven of the top 50 teams in the in the country were at this thing, and five of those were ranked squads in the ACC. And four of our five uh, scores, had, four of our five players had their best scores at this tournament. <laughs> India Clyburn finished tied for eighth with a 215. Naomi Ko finished tied for 12th along with Laura Kowal. And uh, tied for 18th was Mim Sangapong. Tied for 33rd was Leah Kilimantova. And tied for 40th was Monica Hartle with a score of 226. Moving on to men's golf. At the Bandon Dunes Championship, we finished 7th. And uh, we actually had, we tied for lowest team score in the round third round three of the tournament. Uh, overall, we finished a five-tournament five, game, five streak where NC State finished in the top five. And uh, we only were two shots behind, two shots over sixth place and three shots out of fifth. So, uh, we're actually being very competitive, even though this is one of the lower placings we had for the season so far. And uh, Christian Salazar had a 218. Stefan Franken had a 222. Benjamin Ship had 223. Easton Paxton had 226. And Harrison Rhodes had a 233. And they finished in the order of 9th, 21st, 24th, 40th, and 71st, respectively. In that order, at the Hootie at Bulls Bay Intercollegiate was the next tournament. And we finished in seventh place in that tournament as well. South Carolina uh, hosted the event and they won it with a score of 22 under par. And Kansas uh, finished second while the College of Charleston finished third. We were just one shot back of sixth place in that tournament and uh, three shots back of fifth. So uh, relatively close to a top five finish. And for the NC State lineup, Benjamin Ship really showed out all about them Benjamins. He tied for sixth individually with a 210. Harrison Rhodes and Easton Paxson each tied. 
for 34th overall with a 219. Stephen Franklin tied for 46, and Christian Salzer, after finishing with the top score on the team um, the last tournament, finished tied for 57th with a 223. The next tournament we had was the John Hate Collegiate. I don't want to I don't want to say it's hate as an H A T E, but it's H A Y T. So I don't know whether that'd be hate or hate or I don't know what other ways you could pronounce that. Height. Height? Height. Do you think it'd be height? Possibly. We'll just call it height. It sounds better than hate anyway. But it was actually was a really rainy and soggy kind of tournament, and only one out of eighty eight players finished below par because of all the rain and weather, and Tennessee won the tournament despite starting the last day in sixth place. We had a team score of 309, which was 21 over in the final round. And it marks the highest team score of the season. Highest as in not great, because in golf you want a lower score. But also, like again, considering the conditions, actually a good performance. And it was still the fourth lowest team score of the final round is what we had. We finished tied for fourth place in the tournament with host North Florida at 25 over par. The two teams that finished one shot back, uh, we finished one shot back of Louisville and UNC Chapel Hill, which tied for second, and uh, Tennessee won it with 13 shots ahead of us. So, like, that next group of five teams were uh, right there, and then Tennessee just left them all in the dust. Individual standing, Stephen Franken uh, was the top finisher for the team. He finished tied for eighth with 219. Benjamin Ship tied for 16th. Harrison Rhodes tied for 19th. Christian Salzer tied for 49th. Easton Paxson tied for 67th, and Thomas Deal uh, cracked the rotation, and he finished tied for 82nd, and this weekend, coming up for the men's team, we have the Stitch Intercollegiate. Well, that's all we have for the non-revenue sports for you, for you guys. This week, since Cody's back, Cody got to pick another song, so Cody, why don't you tell them about the song that you have picked out for them? All right, this is uh, Snow Patrol Part 2 by Alpine Stars. Hey guys, that was Snow Patrol Part 2 by Alpine Stars. Uh, it's a little bit less popular than Snow Patrol Part 1, but I think it's better. Cody Hole here, substituting in for John Hinton, and uh, about to pass it back to the 50th show anniversary, the golden one for Benjamin Denton. Thank you, Cody. Thank you. Uh, after This is the part of the program where we will normally talk about basketball or football when they're in season, but they're not. But that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about them, because in women's basketball, where we absolutely killed it this year, um, we have some great news for you. Kiara Leslie... Um, was taken 10th overall in the WNBA draft earlier this week by the Washington Mystics. She's the 16th player out of NC State to be drafted into the WNBA after she was the honorable mention All-America. First off, the fact that she wasn't an All-American is just a travesty, an absolute travesty. And the WNBA recognizes that by taking this woman as the 10th overall pick. There's not one-and-dones in women's basketball. They literally will draft the best player there with the best potential, and they drafted Kiara Leslie 10th overall, and she couldn't make third-team All-America? Come on now, NCAA. Well, Ben, I know you keep up with women's basketball more than I do. You've seen this woman play on the court in person. How, how would you describe like her abilities? Man? She is a killer. 
She has the Mamba mentality. She takes over games. Two, the two times I went and watched her play, she was head and shoulders above everyone else. Not in height, but just as a player. Sometimes in women's basketball, there is not the amount of like skill or ball handling that you see in men's basketball. Like the players sometimes aren't as good. Like there's more of a skill gap. Like in men's basketball, the best player on the court isn't always apparent just by looking at them. But in the women's game, when you saw Kiara Leslie handle the basketball, shoot the basketball, the way she carried herself on the court, she is a killer and she is the kind of player that a franchise can build around, in my opinion. Well, I think it's kind of unfair to compare the two, women's basketball and men's basketball. It's the same sport, but it's apples and oranges. You can only compare somebody to the people they play against. Oh, that's true. That's true. And what I meant was, like, because there is there is a higher skill gap. Sometimes Kiara Leslie will go up against a player who's nowhere near her caliber. But, like, so many more males play basketball in the United States. That's why there's so, many more, there's so much more parity in the tournament. Because there's just that many talented athletes playing in women's basketball, we just don't get the engagement from the girls as they're growing up playing basketball, not to the same level of boys. And so the best players always just go to the best programs like UConn, uh, Notre Dame, Baylor. Baylor just won the national championship against Notre Dame. Uh, the girl from Notre Dame, I'm not going to attempt to say her name, but she hit like the game winner in last year's national championship, the real Mamba. Um, she uh, got drafted fifth overall. So I don't follow uh, the individual players at the women's college basketball level, but the way what she did in that one year, um, that's worth it for me to draft her. But again, I guess they thought four players were going to be better than her. They're mistaken. But her and Kiara Leslie, face of the face of the WNBA, man, face of the WNBA. But kudos for the Mystics for actually like making a smart pick and picking just a fantastic player. Leslie, um, some of the accomplishments this season for the women's team, she helped lead the Wolfpack to a 28-6 and record and a second straight appearance in the Sweet 16 of the tournament. She helped lead the team to the longest winning streak and best start in school history at 21 games. And she led the team in scoring at 15.9 points a game while also averaging 7.2 rebounds. She had 10-plus points in uh, 31 games this year, which is... Let me do quick math. We played 33. So 31 of 33 games, she scored in double figures, and she had 20-plus points in 10 of those games. And two of those games, she had over 30 points. And she also had 10 double-doubles. So she was dominating the game in all aspects, and she was the best player on the court when she was playing. And there was no question about it. Not really any news in men's basketball. We're not going to have any players drafted. Markel Johnson did declare for the NBA draft, but he didn't hire an agent, which means he can come back to school. He's just putting a feeler out there to see what his stock is, and it's probably not great, but like, there's no reason he shouldn't like at least throw his his hat in the ring and see what teams are telling him. Well, just being honest, I don't think Markel is going to... I, I think he'll go to G League first, kind of like Cat Barber. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he's going to get drafted by a team right away. I think he'll be put in G League. Like, just being honest, I don't think he's good enough to go straight into the NBA. Well, yeah, I would agree with that assessment as well. But do you think he's a guy that just plays in the G League and plays over in Italy and in Europe? Or do you think he actually does end up being a contributor in the NBA? I think that he can be a very strong team player. But I think sometimes he makes, uh, sometimes he passes the ball too quickly and doesn't, he needs to like, I feel once he plays some G League and understands how good he actually is and gets a little bit more confidence, I think he'll be 
a tremendous play. I don't think he'll be like an all-star, but I think he would be an asset to any team. Yes, that like backup point guard because backup point guard is a really important position in the NBA because you can't have your everyone wants your Steph Curry's, your Chris Pauls, your Damian Lillard's, but you need someone confident coming off the bench that's not going to just throw the game away when you put them in the game. Well, I mean, even being G League's a good be a good deal on most G League players make you can't make below eighty thousand dollars. You can make up to like a quarter million dollars a year with your hotel and bus. You're just playing basketball, trying to get better, going to like some community activities, playing with like some younger people, like in high schools and middle schools, like to help them as part of like your community outreach. So it's a really good gig being in G League anyway. People people look down on it, but you can make a, some serious bank and get some experience on your belt before you go up to the pros. I think it's a good process. See, I didn't even realize that. So, and tell me if you like if you don't really have an opinion on this, this is okay, but in 2020, they're getting away with a one and done rule. So, do you think we'll see like there's maybe and it's it's kind of a misleading rule in that people are like, "Oh man, the one and done is so stupid." But it only applies to like 3 to 5 guys every year. There's like there's the Zion Williamson's that it's like, "Why did this man go to college?" Cuz he would have been the top pick in the draft coming out of high school or R.J. Barrett, or even John Morant. But, like, do you think there's going to be players that will just forego college knowing they're not going to get drafted in the NBA and just wanting to play in the G League instead? Oh, I think uh, I think with this one-and-done rule being out, we're going to see more like pro baseball where there, there might be, like, more than one level of a farm system. Like, being honest, pro baseball has the best farm system in the world, like, at least in the United States, at least. Because you have multiple levels that a player can join at the bottom and keep playing and guilt building skills for their ready. NFL doesn't have a farm league. NHL has one, but most hockey players are just going to go straight into the NHL. I think that if we even had like a second system, like if Raleigh had like a G League team or like even a level below that, maybe had like a like a double A basketball team. I think stuff like that with the one and done rule being gone, we're going to see an expansion in minor league basketball. I would actually love to see that. Like if Raleigh had their own G League team and they got some former NC State players on it, I think they could sell out. Well, even if it wasn't like a G League level, like if it was like, like I think G League is equivalent to AAA baseball. So that's like Durham Bulls, Charlotte Knights. Mm-hmm. Even if Raleigh had a A team and was playing like... The it, Mudcats level. Yeah, like like if Durham had like a minor league base basketball team and was playing Raleigh, like that would I bet would sell out immediately. And there's plenty of facilities, even if you don't go to PNC Arena in Raleigh, to have it at. You could probably play at Reynolds, honestly. Like, I don't know the logistics of how that would work, but I'll bet a G League or even below that would probably sell out Reynolds or, like, Dorton Arena. Can you imagine playing a basketball game or going to a basketball game in Dorton Arena over on the fairgrounds? Well, I'm sure you could fill the lower bowl of PNC no problem. And, like, if you're playing, like, a rival like Durham or something, or, like, if Chapel Hill got, like, a minor league basketball team, then I'm sure that game would sell out too. I think it would be very. You could definitely sell at PNC if you had good teams playing. Yeah, honestly, there might be just a like a missed, especially if G League plays in the summer, which I think is what they do anyway. Because during the basketball season, this is such a college basketball culture and state. We we live for college basketball, and we're one of the most college basketball rich areas in the whole country. Like there's North Carolina, and there's Indiana. And there's a couple other places, but like with the UNC Duke rivalry and the history and the tradition of how good our programs have been in this area, people love college basketball. So maybe a G League, if it played during the season, wouldn't be successful. But like in the summer, like you said, we're a bunch of basketball starved fans and we're not getting it. I mean, we get the NBA playoffs, but we're not going to actually go to those games. Charlotte didn't make the playoffs. So even if you're in the Charlotte area, you're not going to go to games. Well, I think like uh, this is kind of like a dream idea here, but like. 
you're telling me that we can't put an outdoor court out like 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 you understand like the basketball court they put at PNC Arena you put on top of the hockey rink. You're telling me you couldn't modify that and us have an outdoor game in Carter Finley? That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I don't think we would like sell out like Carter Finley. But it would be a cool idea to have an outdoor basketball game. It would be unique. I mean, hockey plays games outside. Oh, that's true. That actually would be really cool. Hopefully some executives, as always, the rich people are listening to this show and they'll make it happen. The owner of uh, the owner of the Hurricanes, who just made the playoffs, by the way, have you been keeping up with that? Yeah, I've been keeping up with it. All right, well, we can talk about it in the second part of the program when we come back and talk about baseball. We can talk about the Hurricanes because I have not kept up with it. But we played the Capitals last night, so we'll um, we can talk about that. But um, the owner of the Hurricanes like invested a ton of money in the AAF, which is kind of failing anyway. So someone like that could invest in like a minor league team in the Raleigh area or Durham, like you said. Well, uh, coming from a coming from Charlotte, like the minor league hockey team in Charlotte, the Checkers, which is consistently one of the nationally best lower level hockey teams, like the Checkers at one point when the when the Bobcats were around. So this is old school, guys. This is before Horns. When the, I remember the Bobcats. When the Bobcats were around, they had a double header, and the main event was the Checkers. They were trying to get people to come to the Bobcats game by saying, if you buy a Bobcats ticket, you'll be able to see the Checkers. Like, the Checkers <laughs> were the larger draw than the Bobcats. Like, the Checkers... Do you all, remember how bad the Bobcats were, though? Yeah, they had a thing where if you bought a ticket, you got another ticket for free. And they also had it where if you bought season tickets really cheap, like for the next 10 years or something like that. It was uh, actually, and they were seven and fifty-nine with the NBA lockout-shortened season for the worst winning percentage of any team in NBA history, and that was Kemba Walker's rookie year. We should have had the first pick just given to us, just out of pity, but instead, we lottery balls gave us Michael K. Gilchrist, who's been okay, and New Orleans got Anthony Davis, and then they're not even treating him right, and he's leaving New Orleans. So, should have been coming to Charlotte. Is all I'm saying with that. But we're going to take another quick song break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Hurricanes. We're going to talk about some Major League Baseball that started up. Cody is a, a guy that follows baseball pretty regularly. And then we're going to talk about food. And you'll find out what food. So don't go anywhere. This song is selected by me. It's a guy named Owen Campbell. He's an Australian artist that I found on YouTube because I watched like some of those Got Talent shows. Like, not just America's Got Talent. I used to watch that show, like, pretty regularly, but then once I realized it's kind of rigged who goes forward and whatnot, it kind of, because one year, like, the clairvoyant, some mind-reading, air quotes, couple, got all the way to the finals, and I'm like, this is so fake and staged, and then I watched a video about how they literally video edited one of the, um, there was this Asian guy on there that did the card tricks, and they video edited his tricks. Like, they used post to make his tricks look better, and then, like, we saw on his YouTube channel, all his tricks were just him editing video. So I lost all faith in that show, but I'll still watch it for the talent. And this one guy, Owen Campbell, he was on Australia's Got Talent. This came up in my suggested. And he was a smart aleck with the judges. And he was really good. He played this song that I'm about to play for you, Sunshine Road. And um, he basically, at one point, he just says, all right, we're going to ignore the three people sitting up here, and I'm just going to play this song for you guys, the crowd. And then when he w- he killed it, and then when he was done, the judges, two of them just said no, because they were like, hey, you're really talented, and uh, but you're kind of a, a jerk, is what I'll say. And uh, you got you got to have a good personality to move like move up in this industry. So they told him no. But I really like the song, so that's what you guys are going to hear. This is uh, Sunshine Road by Owen Campbell. 
Hey, everybody. This is Packus Life Sports Show. That's Owen Campbell with Sunshine Road. Now, Ben, you said that you saw this guy on a talent show. I'm about to ask you a question. Do you believe musical acts should be allowed on these talent shows on TV? I'm torn because I, I like watching them. And a lot of times artists get discovered on these talent shows. But then there's the argument that there are specific music talent shows like X Factor and American Idol. And it does get kind of boring that a singer wins like every other year on like America's Got Talent or whatever. So if they took singers off, I think it might make the show a little more interesting. And um, we might see a little more diverse talent. But like I can kind of see both arguments because honestly... A lot of the viewers at home are just watching to see that next talent. We don't actually care if you came on and you were good, but if 10 years later you can be like, yo, I saw Carrie Underwood on her audition on American God, America's, American Idol, and I knew she was she was talented, and now she's one of the biggest country stars ever. So I think that's why people are watching it. Well, um, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think there should be any music on these talent shows. Actually, I got a list of things that should not be allowed on these talent okay, shows. Okay, hit me. Okay, I don't want to see any musicians. You got all your shows. What if you play like a unique musical instrument? Like, have you seen those videos online of this girl that plays basically, it looks like the top of a George Foreman grill and it has some indentions in it. And like it plays this kind of Sumba type music, like a, a marimba type music, not Sumba, a marimba type of music. Like what if someone plays a really unique instrument? Would you allow that? Like if they were playing like a garden hose and like a bucket and stuff, like I get, I guess that can be underneath novelty. But I don't want to see music. You already got your own shows. I don't want to see children. Like your five-year-old. Like they'll always have like, it's a five-year-old who can do a basic magic trick. No one's going to pay money to see that in Vegas. Like I thought the whole show was to get a spot in a casino in Vegas. Okay, I want to see magicians, ventriloquists, people that can like jump off. Like the one dude that jumped off like a 50-foot thing into like two inches of water in a pool. That dude was cool. Like I don't want to see kids. I don't want to see cute. If you have a sob story and your talent sucks... You shouldn't be allowed on there. I don't care if you've overcame an illness. I want to see talent. I don't want to see just these happy, feel-good things. I came to be impressed. I have very strong opinions on this. Well, I think your show might not sell because part of what people buy into with these shows is the realness. And I'm putting that in quotes because they're oftentimes raked. The sob stories always go farther. Like when they're about to show you like an audition of someone and they have a five-minute intro video about their their sob story you're like yeah they're gonna get all yeses like anyway otherwise you wouldn't have spent like thousands of dollars going to their town interviewing people that knew them be like man he was such a hard worker and he was 14 and then he got hit in the throat with a baseball that was actually the comedian on there drew lynch he got his um he started stuttering after he got hit in the throat with a softball actually and he was actually really talented he's a hilarious guy but like they're not gonna do this five minute sob story and then be like uh, simon comes on there like uh, no, it's a no from me. You know, it. they're just going to say yes to the sob stories. Well, I feel the same thing about American Ninja Warrior. When it first started out, it seemed everyone they would showcase was a very highly tuned athlete who's been training in something like rock climbing or obstacle courses. And then nowadays, it seems everybody has a sob story. And then when we get to the third round, where it's the real competitors, then they're like, oh, we haven't talked about Jimmy. He, it just happens that he's the best person out here. Cut out all the sob stories and only show the elite athletes on shows like that. But people buy in to the emotional aspect of it. People get invested in stories. People have been telling stories since the beginning of time, and that's what we get invested in. So uh, I understand like your qualms with it, but we're going to keep seeing the sob stories. 
because people like to feel good and that's why they watch these programs. If they wanted to watch real talent, they probably would watch something else. Who knows? But I also, if, if there was just a separate show that Cody Hoyle started where it's like, we don't care about your sob stories. Are you talented? It's just, and then the judging panel would just be just you and you would just go, yes, or just no. And that would be it. Like they do their thing and just one yes and one no. And there's like thousands of people behind you booing and you're just like, no. Like, well, are you good with Cody Hoyle? The the talent show that is just one dude with rapidly changing opinions, judging people doing acts. <laughs> that would actually be pretty great. I would watch that. But also, you're a good friend of mine, so I would watch anything that my friend was doing on TV. Shout outs to our friends listening right now. Anyway, um, MLB baseball. By the way, the Capitals beat the Hurricanes last night in the playoffs. Four to two. Kind of tough that we have to play the Capitals in the first series, but our next game is tomorrow at 3 p.m., and then we have one finally coming to Raleigh, playoff hockey in Raleigh on Monday, uh, April 15th. So that's going to be crazy. Well, I mean, the Hurricanes are the only North Carolina team to win a national championship, a pro team, that is. I mean, they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, 2007 or six? I think it's six. The Panthers, they've been in the Super Bowl twice. Twice, never won. The Charlotte Hornets. Never even sniffed it. Yeah, like... Like so, the Hurricanes people should rally behind these guys because if anyone's going to win it, they're going to win it. Honestly, yeah, because um, I think they're the eight seed this year, and a few years back, the LA Kings won it as an eight seed. So in hockey, anything can happen, and the Capitals do have a history of blowing it. I mean, they, I know they're the defending Cup champions, but up until last year, they really had just blew it every single year in one form or another. Once they got to the playoffs, so we can just hope for hope for that. I'm glad Ovechkin has his cup. So now we don't have to feel bad for knocking them out of the playoffs and you know everyone having to talk about how Washington just disappoints every single playoffs. But MLB baseball, you're a big-time Nationals fan, and last time you came on the show, you had a very like obvious, I guess, take that Bryce Harper was gone. Well, I guess it wasn't a take as much as you informed me, and I wasn't aware of it. But now Bryce Harper signed what is now the second most expensive like pro contract in the history of humanity to play for the Phillies. And then, of course, Mike Trout got more money. But uh, how is that working out for the Phillies and uh, Bryce Trout? I mean, uh, not Bryce Trout, Bryce Harper and the uh, Nationals. Well, uh, the Phillies right now are actually second in the NL East. But they actually had the first series against the Nationals. So Bryce got to play his old teammates. And, uh, well, the Nationals, there was one game in the series that it was awesome. Bryce, he was, you know, playing. But then the Nationals were down into the ninth. And then they rallied made like four runs back, and it went into the 10th inning where the Nationals hit a home run straight out of the park and then won the game, showing uh, the Nationals right now, they're they're above, they're above, like they got like, they're 545 right now, like their record, like uh, mm-hmm. like, like win-loss. But like at the same time, like that's still fourth best in the NL East. The NL East is a very competitive division, like very competitive division right now. Like uh, the Mets right now are dominating. Well, not really dominating, they're just the best right now. And then the Phillies, and then the Braves, and then the Nats, and then the Marlins are just doing their own thing over there in the cellar dwellers in the basement. The cellar dwellers, that's right. (laughs) Well, I mean, they're fish. Fish aren't even good at playing baseball. That's my sports take on baseball, by the way. Hot take over there. Fish are not good at baseball. But speaking of baseball, something you and I were discussing before the show, um, the Atlanta Braves... Like, first of all, the Falcons are doing a lot of great things with their concessions. Like, they're charging way less money for concessions, and they're one of the first, like, pro teams to actually charge a reasonable price for food at games. 
And uh, so apparently they're not the only pro team in Atlanta that's doing something pretty awesome with uh, the food in the stadium. Oh, yeah. And the new SunTrust Park, Atlanta put a southern staple, a Waffle House, into the arena. And it's the only Waffle House in America where you can drink beer and eat Waffle House food in some unholy combination. So just the idea that I would go to the game and be like, give me a pecan waffle. Like, give me some hash browns. What's your go-to when you go to Waffle House, by the way? I mean, I go pecan waffle, hash browns I usually You mean pecan waffle? No, pecan waffle. I'm I'm assuming you mean pecan waffle. No, I mean pecan waffle. Okay, well, by pecan, I think you mean pecan. No, No, never mind. You know what? We'll do this for forever. So anyway, uh, then I get the hash browns. I get them with jalapenos, cheese, sometimes onions. That's called smother covered chunk. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, get them ordered like that. Sometimes I get country ham. Sometimes I just get bacon, get eggs, sunny side up. Are you just going to name the whole menu and that's what you get at Waffle House? Okay, I got a story to tell everybody real quick. I was with Ben the first time he ever went to Waffle House. That's true. I've never been to Waffle House. Ben looks at me and goes, Cody, what should I order? And I literally say, anything but the hash brown bowl. And everyone with us is like, yes, no one has ever ordered the hash brown bowl in the history of ever. It's been, it's on the menu, it says all new, but it's been all new for like 20 years now. Like, and Ben goes, looks through the menu and he goes, I'm about to get this hash brown bowl. And he gets it. And the look on his face when he started like, Waffle House is pretty good. You know what you're getting. But Ben, the look on your face when you start eating that hash brown bowl, you're like, I have made the mistake of a lifetime here. Well, first of all, it's hash browns and it has, it has meat and it has cheese in it. So like has all the ingredients for good food in Benjamin's book here, but it just wasn't good. I should have taken Cody's advice. I'm not a big waffle guy, personally. Like, if you throw waffles at me, I'll eat them if I'm hungry, but I'm not going to go out of my way to get waffles, and I really don't want to pay for them. Like, so, like, that's why for the longest time, I just never went to Waffle House. So, I usually just go there and, like, get the eggs or get, like, a biscuit or um, I forgot what we went with the last time. Last time you and me, we went um, we went to the Avent Ferry one and waited for like an hour and they never got our food. And then we went to the Hillsboro one and like it was just so much nicer because there's two Waffle Houses right by NC State's campus. For those of you that don't know, I, I remember uh, the waitress was very, very like on our side about it. she could not believe that we had to wait like an hour at the other Waffle House, not get any food. Like I thought she was going to call somebody or something. Not even not get any food, not get anything brought to us. We sat at this table, like no one came up and said, what do you want to drink? Like we sat there for an hour and they were just, they just ignored us. And then like, it was Pat though. And then people walked in, like we can't serve you for another hour and a half. And we're like, we got to get out of here. Like, like anywhere will be better than this Waffle House at this time. Well, Waffle Houses are open 24-7. And if we go to Atlanta, we can uh, we could get a beer. And I'm 21, so I could get a beer at a Waffle House. I'm not going to because beer doesn't taste good, but um, I could. So could Cody. He's old. Anyway, we were just talking about food. This is a great transition because all I had planned for this last segment, because like, I don't even care much to talk about national sports. There's nothing really going on. The NBA playoffs are starting, but it doesn't get interesting until there's like eight teams left. So... It's National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day. So that's that's really that's really great for me. My question to you Cody is do you buy a grilled cheese sandwich? Which is which is better? The one you get or a homemade one? The homemade one, but the one my grandma makes. What does your grandma put on her uh grilled cheese sandwich? Well, I'm about to give I'm about to give you Granny's recipe for the grilled cheese. Granny sandwich. Hoyle? 
Oh, no, this is, this is other mom's side, but yeah. Uh, it goes white bread, only white bread. Like, I know whole, For sure. yep. whole grain's healthier, but white bread, butter, slash, like... Are you talking about buttering the bread or buttering the pan? Buttering the bread. Do you toast the bread first? Nah, because if you do it properly, it'll crisp up anyway. Okay, all right, so I'm then, listening. But there, I'm about to point out some. Some people, apparently, I've only heard this from people. I've never tried it put mayonnaise on the bread instead of butter. And I, I think that's an unholy, I think that's heresy right there. Okay, first of all, it depends. Like my family, basically my grilled cheese and it's literal heaven is a ham, ham and cheese sandwich, white bread, Duke mayonnaise, don't put anything else on it, otherwise I might murder you. Ham and one of those like fake cheese, you know those little American slices, they're not actually real cheese. And then you can put butter in the pan and then put butter on the outside of your bread. But I do put mayonnaise in the middle. It, it tastes really, really good. No, but they're buttering their bread with mayonnaise is what I'm saying. On the outside? Yes. Well, it works, but it's not as good. Like when, if we were out of butter or didn't have butter, like, or whatever, no butter, we would do mayonnaise. But no, we didn't. If you are by choice buttering your bread with mayonnaise for your grilled cheese, you do deserve hell, honestly. You deserve jail time. But here's how my order goes. It goes bread, cheese, ham, cheese, ham, cheese. That way it's There's like, not another piece of bread there? Oh, yeah. There's another piece of bread on top. Okay. No, I was it's about an to say, you just got an open, open-faced grilled cheese. Okay. Wait, what? Four, piece, four pieces of cheese and three pieces of ham? No, nah, two pieces of ham. Well, each piece of ham is two slices of ham. Okay. So it would really be like one piece of cheese, two slices of ham, one piece of cheese, two slices of ham, one piece of cheese, bread. Okay, and the bread is buttered. What Do you put mayonnaise on the inside or no? No. Okay, well, I mean, that's acceptable. It's not ideal. You see, I'm glad, though, you're representing Duke's mayonnaise. I mean, I've, I've met people who say stuff like Hellman's and like Miracle Whip, which isn't even mayonnaise. Okay, that's the other thing. Miracle Whip isn't mayonnaise. And second, um, sometimes... I just, sometimes you do want Miracle Whip. Like a whole grain sandwich, this is not grilled, not grilled. If you put Miracle Whip on a grilled cheese, again, we're talking heresy, we're talking hellfire and destruction for your soul, okay? But it, sometimes if you're getting like a healthier ham sandwich where you got the whole grain bread and you got your ham and you're not putting cheese on it, sometimes Miracle Whip has a, has a tang to it that is nice. For some reason, when I'm at, like, if I'm at Aaron's house and they have Miracle Whip, for some reason, like, I just kind of want Miracle Whip, you know? And also, can we talk about the fact that when you make yourself a sandwich, it's never as good as when someone else makes it for you? You're talking about your 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 favorite grilled cheese is your grandma's grilled cheese. Yeah. Like when you're not having, I, I think it's something to do with the fact if you're not having to smell the ingredients and see it get together and the, all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm hungry. Then all of a sudden there's a sandwich. It's just amazing. Well, if I'm at Granny's house, she, she's doing it in a cast iron like frying pan. So I, that's the advantage over Teflon, everybody. Cast iron, like old timey. Well, the reason cast iron, and I just went to this cooking show with Aaron for um, engaged couples, and uh, the, the it was for Cookshare, which is this company with uh, waterless pots, and they've been around since the 50s, and they have a 50-year warranty with their pots, but they're like really expensive, but actually really cool. I really considered buying it, but like it was just a lot of money, and like I'm in college, so I didn't end up doing it, but uh, he was talking about the reason cast iron cooks better is because it cooks evenly. And like it heats up like in a uniform way and you get like cheap pans and they're not going to do that. Well, uh, also, uh, this is just I'm going to give a warning against Teflon. This is a public service announcement. I'm a geology major, so we cover environmental contaminants. If you burn anything on a Teflon pan, the smell, that's carcinogens. That's going to cause cancer. Also, the byproducts of Teflon 
99.9% of all people in America have Teflon chemical byproducts in their blood. This is a recent study. There's a Netflix documentary about it. I forget the name of it. And it's going to be a huge problem because, like, I hate to just go on a soapbox about, like, this, like, problem of Teflon. But, <laughs> yeah, like, we got a minute left in the well, show. I better finish this up. Guys, we don't know what Teflon is going to be like in human blood long term. So don't be surprised if this turns into, like, the, like, 30 years from now, you guys can come back and listen to this show and hear me, Cody Hoyle, say Teflon in blood is going to end up causing a lot of problems long term. Wow. Next thing you know, we're going to have people storming the campus talking about just waving their Teflon pots in the air. It's like, Cody told us to get rid of them. What have you been putting into our bodies, the government? But um, yeah, you heard it here first, as Cody said. Thank you so much, Cody, for coming on the show uh, in a week that John couldn't make it. Uh, appreciate having you and your unique um, outlook and input on uh, everything NC State sports and also just surviving and not having Teflon in your pants. It's your 50th show, Ben. We didn't get to talk about that, dude. This is it for you. Congratulations on your 50th show. Thank you, Cody. It's just a number, but I do appreciate it. Um, again, super grateful for you all out there listening. Really appreciate it. If you guys dis- didn't listen, there'd be really no point in us doing it. So thank you for that. We'll be right back here next week unless there's baseball. I probably should have checked if there's baseball, but I didn't. Sometimes me and John will show up here uh, before the show and then realize there's baseball on and then be like, oh, I guess we don't have a show this week. So uh, we probably should plan more effectively ahead of time. But thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. I'm Benjamin Denton. I'm Cody Hoyle. Bye, y'all.